Welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. I'm Nile Henry. And I'm Blair Henry. And we're two brothers who set out on a mission to make motorsport and STEM careers more diverse, affordable, and inclusive. We are the founders of The Blair Project. This podcast series delves into the minds of inspirational individuals who come from ordinary and often humble backgrounds, but through their belief, dogged determination and never give up attitude, I managed to overcome academic, social or mental challenges to achieve their dream careers. Our guests will share their life lessons that you too can apply to your own. We hope their stories will inspire you to go further, aim higher and accept nothing less than you deserve. Your ambition, your purpose is all within and we're here to help you unlock it. The planet of possibilities are endless. Hello and welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. Today we are joined by Nadine. Welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, so Nadine, can you tell us a, a little bit about your background and how you got started on your journey as a marshal? I can, yes. So quite a while ago, um, it was over 20 years ago now, a um, friend of mine heard it being talked about on uh, local radio, actually, um, and said, you'd be interested in this, this would be something you'd want to do, go along, find out what it's all about. Um, prior to that, I didn't really know much about motorsport. Um, yeah. I used to watch Formula One with my dad on the telly on a Sunday afternoon. He used to work away from home during the week, so uh, it was only when he'd uh, be at home at the weekend, I'd get time with him. So sat in front of the telly watching Formula One. That was all I ever thought motorsport was. Um, but I made a call um, from this uh, a conversation that my friend heard on the local radio um, and went along to a taster day at Alton Park uh, in Cheshire. Um, I was living in Leeds at the time. Um, so it's a, a couple of hours journey across, um, but super excited um there was me and one other person who went on a what they call a taster day and uh, so got shown round alton uh, around the different marshals posts uh, mm. saw some of the qualifying action in the morning it was just a club meeting um, i can't actually remember the organizing club at the time but it was just a club meeting um and then i was out on post uh, with a group of marshals for the afternoon um had a tvr land at my feet <laughs> which wow. was quite exciting. <laughs> I think I fell over as well. I did a good Superman impression and fell on the floor, got up, took a bow in front of the crowd, carried on. Um, driver was a bit shaken up, um, hit the barrier and thought the car was on fire, but had actually just set the onboard fire extinguisher off. So it wasn't actually on fire. Um, he got out, but was a bit shaken up. Everyone else ran off to the car and I was left with the driver and I kind of thought, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I just talked to him, uh, just made sure he was okay. Um, and I thought, this is great. Can I come back and do it again? So, uh, so yeah, that was it. Me, um, 26 years ago now, um, a newbie on the bank, um, but loving it ever since. And that, that whole experience was on your first day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I suppose, you know, you, you went, you said uh, that you, you know, how you got, how you got the love of it was that you used to watch it um, when you were little with your, with your father. Was he, was he involved in motorsport or was he just a, a fan? Not at all. Just, just a fan. Um, so uh, I'd, I'd been to Formula One. So I had, I was looking at, I was actually at Donington 
that infamous year when Ayrton was there. Um, yeah. But I was there on the Saturday with the um, on qualifying, um, and my mum and dad went to the race on the Sunday. So they got wet through um, and had no clue what was going on because they couldn't understand the commentary. I sat at home, watched it all on the telly, told them what had happened, basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and have been, I'd been to Silverstone a couple of times, um, been to um, also in Germany. I actually was uh, based in Germany as part of my university degree. Um, was and a friend of mine also was into Formula One, so my parents came over, her parents came over, we all went on mass to Hockenheim. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was really my only interest or even knowledge of motorsport, uh, was really from the telly and Formula One. Um, so a bit of touring cars, I guess, I picked up on the telly occasionally, yeah. there'd be Motorsport Mondial or whatever it was called, uh, very early mornings to say something about motorsport, a bit about rallying, but I didn't really pick up any connection with that. Um, but yeah, no family connection whatsoever to do with motorsport at all. And you you were mentioning um, with your interest was with your dad watching Formula One uh, on weekends and whatnot, but did you, did you have any... Well, specific role models who just inspired you in a way to become a marshal within a motorsport itself? Not not really. Um, I, I really knew nothing about it at all. Um, mm. and, and my friend, she was literally just listening to local radio and ha they happened to be talking to a marshal. Um, he knew the, the presenter. Um, and they just decided to have a conversation um, similar to this, kind of just have a conversation about motorsport marshalling. Yeah. Um, so I really went along just to find out more because I just thought, oh, you must need loads of qualifications. You must have to give up loads of time. I've got a new job. I haven't got the time to do this. I had all the excuses in the book that I think I've heard ever since from everybody as to why not to do it. But knew nothing, um, literally didn't realize that it was all volunteers, didn't realize that um you start from knowing nothing at all and stuff landing at your feet um and dealing with it um to to all the other roles that are involved all the other volunteers so not just marshals but scrutineers clerks i had no clue absolutely no idea at all um just thought these events happened and lots of people were involved and presumed they were paid um so had no idea that you could get involved and when it was kind of like oh yes you can do this i thought oh, okay alton park yeah that sounds quite good but you could do this at Formula One. I was like, really? I could actually be doing the same thing. That's crazy. That's 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 insane. That's not possible. That isn't how it works, kind of thing. Um, and then obviously I've learned that is exactly how it works. <laughs> so no, no exact role models. I really didn't know anybody in motorsport at all. Um, I just took the plunge, I think. I I kind of walked in thinking, well, I don't know what this is, I don't know what it's about, I don't know what I need to commit mm -hmm. to, yeah. um, what what I need to be able to do, but I quite like the sound of being around cars. I like cars. They're noisy and I like them. So let's give it a go, really. And then getting so, started in the world of uh, motor racing, I mean, it's very male dominated. So what was it? What I imagine getting started, there wasn't a lot of other female uh, marshals around at that time. What, what? So what was it like getting involved, let's say, in a mostly like male dominated um, sport or male dominated like... Um, yeah, the sport or industry, essentially. I, I think um, I think I've always been a bit of a tomboy, to be perfectly honest. So I, I have a brother who's three years older than me, and everything he did, I attempted 
which I couldn't do in lots of different ways because I wasn't able to. Um, but I've always kind of like gone, well, it's just it's just something I can do. Why not? Um, I remember at school um, we had a brilliant supply teacher come into my primary school. So I must have been, I don't know, I probably was about 10, 11 um, and he decided to bring an engine into school, which was not the normal thing to bring in, but literally a car engine uh, came into school and he started to explain things. And I, I honestly can't remember any of it from back then, but I was just fascinated. I just thought, oh, that's how things work. And, and he said, well, you can take it apart. I was like, this is great. So that was just me. I just I would get involved in anything that I could. I just I like to know, understand how things worked. Um so I always was interested in in a variety of different things that maybe people aren't so much interested in uh, and maybe girls aren't looked at as being so interested in. So I didn't do engineering. I did business studies as a degree. Um, but then I don't think I was I had the engineering uh, expectation. I don't think I want wanting to go down that route. Um, but it was just. I just was fascinated. And then I think once the more I found out about marshalling, the more I kind of went, well, why can't I do that? Mm. Um, and and yes, there were females around in different roles. Um, and I saw some who were flag marshals, but I didn't really fancy flagging. Um, I saw people in the pit lane, start line. And again, I thought, no, I want to actually see them race. I want to actually be out on the circuit watching them go round because that's that's I'm a spectator to start with. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's where I feel like that's where I want to be. Um, so so although there were females around, I guess not many um, and not many out on the bank, as it were, um, but more now, thankfully. Um, I suppose there'll be some listeners who will be wondering, you know what, that sounds like a load of fun. How do I get started? as a marshal you know what are the steps and procedures that one must go down in order to become a marshal so it, it's fairly simple actually um it it is a little complicated just because there's so many things involved um i guess once you once you start opening the lid that's motorsport uk um you start finding out all sorts of different things and where to go and 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 it can get a bit complicated but um I guess the, the best thing to do is to decide what kind of motorsport you want to get involved in. So is it racing? Is it rallying? Is it karting? Is it hill climb sprints? You know, kind of, or if you don't know at all, that's fine. Um, and the Taster Day that I went on 26 years ago, we still run Taster Days for people. So if you really don't know, so like me, absolutely have no idea what is involved or what's going on at all, um, sign up for a Taster Day. Um, most venues, most circuits, particularly around the country, will run taster days in some form or another um, throughout the whole racing season. So you can get the same experience as me, maybe not a TVR land at your feet, but something might happen, hopefully, on your first day um, and uh, take it from there. So so as an organising club, um, the, the event will help you to do that um, equally at the Marshalls Club, the BMMC. Um, also have plenty of contacts and plenty of help to enable people um, to go down that path. So once you've done that taste today, 
what the next steps are, um, how to get Motorsport UK registration, how to um, get kit, how, where to get things from, how to volunteer for events, all of that kind of stuff is is really comes along with you first saying, I'd like to do this. Um, and there's lots of people who will help. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, do you have a question, Blair? Oh, I was just going to just um, expand on that. So what are, I was going to say, what are, um, what types of like marshalling opportunities are available, like the different types of marshalling opportunities? So, so everything really. Um, we, we say that the only event you can't do in your first year as a marshal is the Grand Prix because they're not going to accept trainees, which you'd understand, really. Um, but any other event, uh, so any hill climb, sprint, rally, race event, uh, karting event uh, that's under Motorsport UK um, rules and regulations, you could be marshalling that. You could be marshalling that this Saturday if you wanted to. Um, you know, we could find an event somewhere near to you that you could go to. Um, and uh, it's more a case of, we just need to get you signed on, get you tickets, uh, tell you where you need to be, what time you need to be there. Um, and then the rest kind of falls into place. Um, we're, we are, I like to see us as one big orange family. So it doesn't matter where you go in the country. There's a friendly face in orange somewhere who will be out there to look after you. <laughs> now, the Dean, you, you, you know, you started your career back in 97 as you know as a as a marshal and working trackside and then you went on to do recruitment so recruiting new marshals uh, and then I believe you became the, the club secretary for Alton Park I, I came uh, yeah the northwest regional secretary yes for for the northwest region um yeah. so yes I got invited onto that committee um, I think they realised that I was quite well organised as a person, so they they wanted someone who could organise the committee and take notes at meetings and things. <laughs> and now, and now you become chair uh, at Alton Park. Correct. Well, it's I am the national chair of the national British chair. Motorsport Marshals Club. Um, yes. So yes, I've been the national chair for the last seven years, um, and uh, yeah, so that was quite a quite a journey to get there, really. So in terms of the the skills uh, that you've learned along the way, what have been the, the three most essential skills uh, if someone was to follow in your similar footsteps, starting from, you know, being a marshal and working their way up to, you know, hopefully one day, you know, becoming chair. What are the three essential skills uh, that you, that somebody would need in order to do your role? I think the main thing for me is uh, to never forget where you started. Um, having been on the bank, I'm still on the bank. I still go out every weekend and marshal whenever I can. Um, it, it's that that remembering that's where I started. So what it's like for somebody else to start. Um, also being able to communicate um, with all different types of people and organisations. Um, so as a consequence of me being chair, I sit on a number of number of committees at Motorsport UK. Um, yeah. So I see how the regulations and the rules are formed and be part of that process. So having mm -hmm. a broad understanding of of the of the sport, I guess, um, is is a second. Um, and third, being open to suggestion. So um, people coming up with ideas and not saying that's never going to work or we've tried that, yeah. um, but but try anything. Um, 
and look at things in a different way. Um, I, I kind of um, obviously took over from somebody else when I was chair um, and I have my way of working with people. Um, so we have a, a board uh, as part of the, the club. Um, and as I think I remember saying in my first board meeting, I said, I might be the chair, but you are all the experts in your field. So I'm not going to do everything. Um, the expectation is you all are going to do whatever you need to do. And I'm going to be the person who'll put my head above the parapet. I'll be the person who'll say stuff if it needs to be said. I will walk into meetings with that agenda if that is necessary. But you are all the people who are going to be doing all the work and and taking the credit for it. I'm not the person who's taking the credit. Um, I'm just the, the spokesperson for the club and on your behalf. Um, so being open to to whatever other suggestions that other people come up with, I think, is the third one. I was going to touch on uh, uh, Nadine in terms of like uh, back in two thousand and three, just running the taster days at uh, Alton Park. How easy was it for you to recruit marshals? Because I believe you were saying earlier that a lot of people, when they think about racing, they just think about the drivers. And just like, let's say, Formula One, the cars, the drivers and whatnot. So how easy was it for you to bring people on board to uh, take take the roles of uh, marshalling? I think I think that's it's the same now as it always has been, really. I think firstly, the same as me, people don't understand that they're all volunteers yeah. um, and that anybody can do it. Um, anybody with any abilities or otherwise expertise can get involved in marshalling. Um, and everyone starts from the same place. So everyone starts as a trainee, regardless of what your background is, um, because you are a trainee marshal. Uh, you may be running a company, you may be um, a high-flying executive, but you've never been a marshal. And, and getting the head round that bit of the process is a completely different ball game. Um, so I think it's really important for people to, to understand that you are a volunteer, um, yeah you therefore get to choose where you go um, and how often, frequency, um, and therefore getting that message across is always what's difficult. Um, and I think that's always been the same um, ongoing. Um, but in terms of recruiting, we use lots of different ways to recruit. So um, we have uh, our website, which encourages people to to apply for taste days. Um, so people are, are just can literally fill in a form and we will send them um, to the relevant uh, region who will help them get involved uh, in whatever area they want to get involved in. Um, we hold various um, at, at events themselves. So something like the touring car meetings. Um, we do have a recruitment tent. Um, so we do sign people up again to, for taster days. And obviously the people who come to something like touring cars may not be local to that event they may have traveled far and wide um so we can put them in touch with people local to where they live um we also do things like auto sport where we also recruit um and then we have a number of ambassadors who are absolutely key to what we do um and uh, just a word just the occasional comment is is all it takes sometimes so we have a number of ambassadors who are commentators um, so we do encourage them to tell everybody all the time how brilliant the marshals are and what we're doing when anything's happening on the circuit, particularly <laughs> talk up the marshals. Um, so I have to give a shout out really to 
Ben Edwards, who is our president um, of the club currently. Um, so Ben obviously used to uh, commentate a lot on Formula One um, mm. and now does other events around the country. Um, he was at Goodwood last weekend for uh, mm-hmm. the revival. Um, also, uh, Paul O'Neill, who does a lot of work on ITV4 for um, touring cars. Um, and he has come and done a taste today and he has been a marshal so he knows and understands exactly what's involved and what's not involved and no you don't always get a free breakfast which he was most (laughs) disappointed about (laughs) um but they're they're absolutely key um and and we have a guy called mark werrell um who commentates on a lot of different um club events around the country um and he started as a marshal um so he was a marshal for I would don't want to say how many years, but a number of years. Um, and now he's a full time commentator. Um, so he completely understands what it is to be a marshal. Um, and therefore he can explain and talk through incidents um, and everything is exactly what the marshals are doing. So it's really, really good. And obviously um, encouraging other people to say that they can get involved. Um, and, and that's that's key. And, and a number of drivers, we do have a number of drivers who are ambassadors and, and whenever they're on the podium, they always thank the marshals as well. So that's always encouraging. <laughs> now, so in terms of Nadine, in terms of your career then, how has what you've learned, uh, the transferable skills that you've learned being a marshal, have they been able to relate to your day-to-day working life as well, your day job? I was going to say it works both ways. I think um, I, as a day job, I'm currently a uh, logistics and warehouse manager. Um, I've been involved in supply chain for a long time, so my planning skills um, have always been around. Um, and I guess um, the important thing of that transfers both ways is is dealing with people. Um, mm. So particularly, mm. obviously, when it comes to marshalling, I don't know who I'm going to be on post with. Um, and I don't know what skills they've got um, until I meet them, Um, and I don't know what their day jobs are either. So um, it's kind of a bit of a very quick five minute at the start of the day, check out who everybody is, how much experience they've got, and then throughout the course of the day, um, learn more about those people. Um, So literally having conversations with people and, and understanding um, what makes them tick, what they can do, what they can't do, um, how we'll deal with an incident if it happens. Um, so I think that works both ways. So equally from a work perspective, um, thinking around new recruits into my team at work, um, thinking about their skill set, it, it kind of like makes me think more about, well, actually, they don't need to have a lot of experience. Um, they may have certain skills that are really useful. Um, and equally, they may be able to learn new skills um, and learn skills in a different way. So uh, I think that is really, really important in it, and it works both ways. Um, so that human contact, that human understanding um, is is huge. And I think from my personal perspective, um, I think me being able to do something like marshalling switches me off from work. So I also have that mental capacity um, to literally 
forget that I work sometimes. Um, I'm so involved in what's happening at motorsport. And then somebody asks me, so what do you do as a day job? And I kind of think, oh, yes, I've just been brought back into reality. Um, and and it's kind of like it's great. So from a mental health perspective, it's fantastic because it's a it's something completely different. It doesn't it doesn't relate anything to what I do at work in lots of ways. Um, so to be able to come and do some volunteering um, really helps from a mental health perspective as well. I just wanted to touch on the uh, next to Dean. I, I saw on your bio, um, you were the first ever volunteer in history to be presented a trophy on the uh, Formula One podium uh, for the 2022 uh, British Grand Prix. I do I remember that uh, race uh, very well, and you handed the uh, second place trophy to uh, Sergio Perez. Could you uh, could you take us back through that uh, experience? I can. It was it, it wasn't a blur. It might seem like it was a blur, but I tried to make sure that I enjoyed the whole experience and, yeah. and took it all on board. But um, I guess it was it was very short notice. A, a lot of people don't realise that I, I literally got a phone call four days beforehand to say. Oh can you come? <laughs> um, to which point I was like, um, I think I'm busy. I think I'm at Donington Park this weekend. Um, why do you want me at Silverstone? <laughs> it was those kind of questions to which it was like, no, we really want you to be here. Uh, okay. So um, it came from David Richards um, and Hugh Chambers from Motorsport UK. Um, yeah. So they then had to put a request into the FIA um to ask if it would be possible for this to happen um i didn't realize but there are set people who normally give out the trophies uh, in terms of what their day job is i guess um so the third place is always given out by the chair of the regional association so for the uk the regional association is motorsport uk so david richards would be giving out that trophy third place he said he was willing to give up the third place so that i could do it um and the fia came back and said no we'll sort it so he got to give out third um which was lewis hamilton um and uh i got to give out the second to sergio um and uh and as a consequence, um, I was with Motorsport UK all day. Um, I even did the grid walk uh, and got interviewed by Martin Brundle. So that was quite funny because he did, really didn't know who I was. And I've spoken to Martin since and he's apologised. <laughs> so that was quite funny. Um, but uh, the, the actual podium itself is a really strange, strange place to be. It's... Um, we had a briefing beforehand um, so that we knew which order um, each person was going to be presenting in, where we needed to stand. We were told where we would be standing. Um, and we were actually on the podium when the drivers were being interviewed by Jensen Button underneath. Um, but we couldn't hear anything. The way the sound and the microphones and speakers were set up, it was all set up to for the sound to go out to the crowd. Um, so we we were literally like we were in our own little vortex, really, with, and just couldn't hear anything at all. So very, very strange place to be. Um, and I made a comment to David at one point and I said, I think Lewis has just thanked the crowd because he did as is normal. Whenever he's interviewed, he always thanks the fans. And there was a massive cheer that went up around the grandstands. So I was like, yeah, he must have just thanked the fans because that's 
the normal reaction. But we couldn't tell. It's not until I played it back uh, on video that I actually realized what he'd said. <laughs> so um, that was that point. And then when I, we were standing there, um, if you know Silverstone, so it's right at the end of the wing where the podium is, and there's a um, there's catch fencing. So there's spectator fencing uh, around the circuit side. So there's basically the the podium, the pit lane, and then the circuit. And between the pit lane and the circuit, there is catch fencing. Uh, well, there's a photographer's pen that is there, and I had no idea. And there must have been, without a joke, 30, 40 photographers in that pen to obviously take the photos of the podium. Um, and I could see some of the photographers that I knew, which was quite funny because I thought I should take pictures of you standing there waiting to take <laughs> pictures of us because this is like really surreal. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so then when obviously the, the drivers come up and, and the ceremony and, and everything, um, and Carlos's first win as well. So there was a lot of firsts that happened that day. Um, and then they'd said, as soon as you give, as soon as um, the trophy presentations are done, they will do the champagne and you will want to leave before the champagne is sprayed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at the wrong end of the podium. So where I was standing, there is only one way off the podium and that is in front of the drivers. Uh, so literally at the point, the commentator goes, and now, and I know the next word is going to be the champagne. I ran for it. <laughs> I literally <laughs> ran across in front of them so that I, and I, they literally opened the champagne just, just as I got out of the way. So I missed it, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so I, I take it, I take it Dave and the other representative got wet. No, well, David had been very clever that he'd, um, he'd, given the trophy the third place to Lewis so I'd done mine obviously to, to Sergio he did his to Lewis shook hands with Carlos and Sergio and then exited the stage to the other side so he was already on the other side and I was like oh I'm on my own here I'm going to have to make <laughs> run for it <laughs> so um so yeah so so try to take it all in um because I thought it's such an important occasion um and I'm representing all the volunteers so that's what um david and hugh wanted was somebody to represent the whole volunteering community um so uh, i was very very honored to to be given that um to do that uh i i sit as chair of the volunteer officials committee as part of motorsport uk um and that was the, one of the reasons why they asked for it to be me to do that presentation so yeah just an amazing amazing experience um, and it continued afterwards because social media went completely crazy. I've uh, I've never seen anything like it. I was getting friend requests from marshals all around the world, <laughs> which is just awesome. And that was just like this is really good. And 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 people say we need to do this. We need to do this for other events. It shouldn't just be Formula One. Why don't marshals present trophies at other events? And there have been since other events where marshals have presented trophies, which is just fantastic. fantastic. And just to get that recognition and realization that, yeah, actually we are there all the time. Um, so just nice as a thank you uh, to the marshals to get that recognition is fantastic. No, it's, it's no, that's a really, really great gesture because, like, like, like you've mentioned, the work that some you guys definitely do, and you know, you're doing it out out of your own time. You're not getting paid to do it, so it's a it's a great thing that Motorsport UK and 
uh, we're able to give back and just say, you know what, rather than us be there, let's let's give an opportunity uh, elsewhere. So, and, and I reckon that'll be something you'll be telling people way, <laughs> way, way later down the line. Back yeah. in the day, I was at Silverstone yeah. 22, yeah. handing a trophy. Um, I have no. I have the official photo on my phone. So if anybody asks, I can show it straight away. It's going like, yeah, there's the photo. There's the proof. <laughs> Is that you and Sir John Perez? Like... What are you doing there? <laughs> it, in fact, it was funny because I actually was at a taste today at Alton the week after. Um, and uh, so I actually run the taster days at Alton, uh, following me being on one so so many years ago. Um, so I actually take people around and show them everything. And um, I kind of said, and just so that people know, yes, it was me on the podium last weekend. And a few of them went, I thought I recognised you from somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was me on the telly. <laughs> Excellent. Now, now. One of the things I want, want to come onto the topic around is about equality, diversity, and inclusion, especially women in, in women in motorsport. Now, you sit on various committees, and one of them is being about EDI, uh, especially women in motorsport. Can you can you tell us, you know, why is that? Why is EDI in motorsport so important? Well, for me, it's a case of. Um... I think when I ever did anything, I was I was quite I'm quite a strong willed person. Um, and I've always thought if I can do something, why can't I do something? Um, and I even remember when I was thinking about becoming the chair that somebody said, well, why not? And I was like, mm, yeah, OK, good point. Um, so I think everybody should be given that opportunity. There, there shouldn't be any uh, barriers. There should be no reason why somebody can't do something. Um, and as, as volunteers, I always say to people, well, the only restriction is you need to be over 11. Um, and that's just obviously for safeguarding issues. Um, we have a parent responsibility between 11 and 18. Um, you need to, so you need to be over 11 um, and be able to stand and talk and, and move around, really. Well, not even stand, but you, yeah. you just need to be able to function. Um, there's no restrictions in, other, in any other ways. Um, and I, I'm very passionate in believing that if somebody wants to do something, they should, and we should be able to make it possible. Um, whatever reasons they think they can't or because they don't see somebody else like them doing it, that shouldn't be a restriction to stop them from doing it themselves. Do you feel that enough is being done, let's say, at the grassroots level of motorsport to promote more opportunities for um, females to get involved? I think there are a lot of things being done. Um, I think there's always more chance for opportunities. Um, mm. There's some there's some great initiatives that have happened. Um, I think it was East Anglia Motor Club. Um, they had some great initiatives to get um, women involved across the board. So not just as volunteers, but as drivers as well. Um, but I think it's always going to be a case of, with volunteers generally, it's a case of, we'll take anyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, a volunteer is a volunteer for us, um, so so there's no restrictions. Um, but there's, I wouldn't say there's anything particularly that says we're actively recruiting females or, or anything else. Um, so it's more a case of um, just getting that word out there um, yeah. that it is possible to do. 
um, and, and making sure that, that all groups are included in that um, to make sure that everybody realises that, that just because they haven't seen somebody like them being involved doesn't mean that they can't do it themselves. I wanted to touch on uh, Nadine, just how we um, first introduced. Um, so we were first introduced to uh, via David uh, Williams. Just shout out to uh, David if he sees the uh, episode. <laughs> but um, he introduced us for you to um, get involved with our Proto-EV STEM challenge. And you were really instrumental in helping us to find uh, free marshals to uh, take part in our free events earlier when we did a Proto-EV challenge um, in London. So I just wanted to ask... What were your initial thoughts when when we first basically came to you with the idea of uh, the Pro EV STEM Challenge, and and what are your thoughts on like say like EV motorsport in general? Okay, so um, in terms of volunteering, I think I think volunteering in any way is great. So yeah. um, if if it means that people can get involved in different things, I think yeah. there's we should always open up that opportunity. Um, so not just your project. So just for an example, we also help out at um, some crazy races events, which are soap, um, downhill soapbox challenges. Yeah. Um, so no engines involved whatsoever, but a bit of a laugh. Um, so we try and get volunteers to, to get involved in, in anything that they can. Um, so whether it's motorsport registered or not, um, our insurance as a club um should cover most other activities so it does enable us to um, put people forward to help out with different things um, and I think in terms of of your project itself um, I think it's a great idea to get um, to get kids involved um, I think that's that's the best way to get people um, to do anything is to get the kids involved so hence why I said about volunteering you can start at 11 uh, it quite often is the child who encourages the parent because it's the child who wants to come along um, and then the parent stays as well. So always great. Um, and things like FIA Girls on Track. Um, so another um, absolutely superb scheme uh, to get females, um, but particularly young girls uh, involved in motorsport. Um, so, so your project um, is, is another way of getting young people involved. And I think that's absolutely key um to to anything is is to get the young involved and uh, if you can get them early get them interested in anything um that they then latch on to and then want to continue to do is great um so i think that it's a it's a great project that you have um and we're happy to help thank you so, nadine i've got i've got a question that i'd like to ask uh well it's kind of two two questions in one what is your favorite race series to actually like marshal? And if you could choose your favorite race that you marshaled, what would it be? Okay. Um, race series, that's going to be difficult. Um, I'm a bit of a fan of historic stuff. So um, I quite like um, events as opposed to particular series. So I have to say, um, Goodwood Revival is an absolute awesome event. Um, they obviously change the races that are there each year, um, but there's some that are there time and time again. Um, and the St. Mary's Trophy is just the best race going. It's, um, for those who don't know, the St. Mary's Trophy is a split race. We have part one, part two. Uh, part one is normally for 
current or very experienced professional drivers. And part two is normally the owners of the car. Um, so you could have um, people like Gordon Shedden, Matt Neal, um, Tom Christensen, uh, driving around in 1950s, 1960s cars um, and having an absolute whale of a time um, and being so competitive. It's just a phenomenon. It's for 25 minutes, but it's just fantastic um, that they just go hammer and tongs in these cars um, that, that were built for racing, uh, but probably not in the way that they raced them. <laughs> And then and then they hand them back to the owners who then race them again uh, on day two. Um, so I have to say that that's kind of like uh, I do love the old cars um, and that event, Goodwood Revival, if people have not been or not seen it on the television, it is just a completely different event to anything you could ever imagine. Um, but it's superb and the racing is always fantastic. Do you know what? I've not been to Goodwood, but I have watched it plenty of times on the television and the noise you hear from the TV. It, it's fantastic. But it's never the same when you actually hear it in person. Because I remember when I went to my first Formula One race, uh, this was probably about 20, uh, 2010 or 2011, when they used to have the old V8 engines. Yes. And yes. they were so noisy, but so beautiful at the same yeah. time, to the point where <laughs> loads of people are putting their fingers in the ears. And, you know, you're almost like, I'm going to go deaf if I hear any more of this. But it's still yeah. so beautiful. Whereas now today, there are, there's still a little bit of noise, so it's not the same. It's not yeah. the same. Yeah. But, I, yeah. yeah, I'll have to pop that. You know, I'll pop down to, uh, to the good one next year and see the classics. Sort out an outfit you've got to fit in. You've got to dress up, but uh, but yeah, no, it's a fantastic event, it really is. Oh, excellent, excellent. Now that's all we've got pretty much time for in, in terms of the main part of the interview. So I'm going to go into the bonus questions. So I hope you are ready for this, Nadine. <laughs> I don't know. I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this first question is the question that I judge all my guests on. Um, I'm hoping for the right answer. So here we go, drum roll. Now, Nadine, does pineapple belong on a pizza? Yes or no? No, no. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> that is the right answer. That is the right answer. So far, I think this is our 17th episode and we've had two people say pineapple belongs on a pizza. I've almost had to throw them off throughout <laughs> the podcast and said, cancel it. We're not airing it anymore. They, um, they've obviously <laughs> never been to Italy. You can go to Italy, no, they would never put pineapple on a pizza. <laughs> they would never allow that. They would never allow that, exactly. So, yeah, so that's a two thumbs up oh, from, from that me. One. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the second one is a, is a very interesting one. If you could throw a dinner party uh, this weekend and you could invite four guests, dead or alive, could be famous or not famous, who would you invite and why? Gosh. Um, I'd have to invite Freddie Mercury because he's my all-time favourite singer. 
um, and his birthday is very close to mine. So we're both Virgos. So he, I never got the chance to see him live. My husband did, which annoys me every time he mentions it. Um, so definitely Freddie would have to be there. I think he would just, he would make a dinner party. I think just him on his own would make a dinner party, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, so he'd be probably number one. Um, number two, Murray Walker. Um, I have met Murray, um, but I think he's got so many stories that he never got to tell. Um, no matter how much he talked, um, I could listen to his voice all day, um, just commentating on anything. He could commentate on, on us eating dinner and it would sound amazing. Um, so I'd have Murray there, definitely. Um, gosh, um, I want to say someone like Richard Branson. Um, because mm. I, I'm always impressed with the fact that he's one of those people who failed most of his exams at school. Um, but look where he is. So he's mm. one of those people where you kind of go, look where he got to. And he did rubbish at school. So why can't you? So that's that comes back to my, why can't you do that? Because somebody like Richard Branson did. And look at him now. Um, and... I'm trying to think of a fourth one. I want to go a bit obscure. I'd like, I'd actually like to meet Barack Obama. I just, oh. I always thought he was a top president in the US. Um, I just liked the way he dealt with everything. Um, and yeah, I think he'd be a really interesting person to have at a dinner party. Oh. So go through that lineup: Freddie Mercury, Murray Walker, Richard Branson, and Barack Obama. That's an elite lineup there. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think I think it would be dominated by Murray Walker's stories of F one, and obviously Richard Branson being he used to have a team in there. That, he did. that, that would yeah. be an exciting, exciting dinner party. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> And now the final question: If you could have any superpower, which one would you have? Gosh, um, that's a really difficult one. <laughs> um, it. it mm. It's it's not one that people would say, but um, to to give people confidence. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Because, because it, it it may not sound like a superpower, but I think to have that ability, whatever that is, that gives that person the confidence to actually be able to do that, no matter what, to anybody, to everyone to make them be the person that they want to be and do what they want to do to have the confidence to do it. That would just be fantastic for me. Oh, and this is, a, this is an extra additional bonus question, just for any <laughs> young, young girls listening to the podcast or young women or even, even men as well. You know, in terms of your confidence to be able to, you know, not any, let anything stop you from pursuing your goals, where did that stem from? Um, I think my dad, going back to my dad, um, who is still with us, just so that people don't think he's passed on yet. Um, he 
he was always one of those people who it didn't matter what I did at school, I could have done better. So he kind of set the bar so high um, that it was it wasn't that I needed to prove it to him. It was just that he's like, well, why why did you only get nine out of ten? Why didn't you get ten? And I was like, mm, yeah, why? So I would so it's like, okay, well next time I'm going to do better. So. Any time that a barrier kind of put put in front of me, I remember um, at work one time, um, I thought I'd done quite well for the year, um, thought I'd had a reasonable year, and then got the most awful um, rating from my boss at the end of the year, to the point where I was like, what did I do? I, I really don't know why I deserve this. You know, I spoke to HR, I had all those conversations thinking wow, I thought I'd done quite well. And I obviously have got it completely wrong if he thinks I'm that rubbish. Um, the following year, I had a different boss. And my new boss gave me the best rating he's ever given to anybody ever. <laughs> so I went from rubbish to really good. And he knew what had happened in the previous year. And he said, you had two options. He said, one was to walk away and say, I'm not working for these people anymore. I don't like this. I'm." He said, or you could say, I'll show you. And that's what I did. Um, and he he recognized that and said, you weren't going to give up. You're a fighter. You're not going to take somebody telling you you can't do something. Um, you're going to make sure that you will. Whatever it takes, you will do whatever you can to turn that person around and say, yes, I can. You were wrong. So. Um, I think I think it's that's where my confidence comes from is is that ability to kind of section it off and go yeah okay I was hurt and yeah I felt really rubbish at the time um, but to then go well okay so what could I do better and I'll show them that I can do it better and I will be better and as a as a better person and I won't ever do that to one of my employees ever. And I never have. So it's like learning in both ways. So learning what I can from that as well as how I would use that going forward. So I've, if I, even if I've had somebody who's not very good at what they're doing, I've told them I've not waited till the end of the year and told them that they need to do things. I've helped them along the way. Um, I would hate for somebody to have that happen to them uh, the way that happened to me. So I would definitely not do it to them. Really inspiring. Yeah, good signs of leadership and management and, you know, Emphasize me and Blair always speak about it on the podcast. You know, it's definitely the call is to be persistent, be determined, to be resilient, and almost not take no for an answer. Just continuously learn, but say I'm going to achieve it um, no matter what. So, Nadine, if people wanted to follow you on social media or want to keep up to date, or maybe even reach out, what some of the what some of the best ways to get in contact with you? Okay, so um, I am on social media. I'm um, Cherry Orange on um, Twitter, if people want to follow me that way. Uh, I am Nadine Lewis everywhere else. They'll find me. My my photo is quite obvious. It's the photo of me uh, presenting to Sergio. So I'm easy to find <laughs> on on lots of social media, on, on Facebook and Instagram particularly. Um, but if people are interested in marshalling, um, then our website, um, marshals with one L, .co.uk uh, is the place to go and at BMMC UK across all social media channels will find our club um, and people will be more than willing to help uh, get others involved in volunteering uh, in whatever aspect you want to get involved in. Excellent, excellent. 
Well, thank you, Nadine, for being a, a guest on the See Me Be Me podcast. And definitely we'll keep in contact. And I think I'm going to have to come and volunteer. Uh, especially maybe, maybe even just for Goodwood as well. <laughs> well thank thank you very much for having me it's been great really really thank great you. conversation thank you thank you, thank you. Take, care. take care thanks bye Bye-bye. blah no what did you think about today's guest nadine lewis uh, nadine your story was um interesting i mean when she started out she she started out saying that she never really had let's say Particular, I guess, passion for motorsport. It was more something that she was watching, like Formula One on weekends with her, her father, and it's almost that kind of interest in like Formula One watching on the weekends is what essentially got her involved in her um, her first journey as a marshal, starting out at Alton Park in uh, nineteen ninety seven. So it's just it's almost something like a hobby that almost turned into a career path, and she's a true trailblazer for um, females taking part in motorsport in particular in marshalling so it's a really interesting stories and just to hear uh, Nadine's background and how she got started and it's interesting to see that you know from where she started out as marshalling she's been able to progress in various different stages to going from to doing the marshalling to doing recruitment and helping to bring new wave of talent or new wave of marshals to come in and work within the industry and get uh, uh, chances um, to get involved, um, to being obviously membership secretary um, and now becoming the chair of the VRS uh, CC. So uh, yeah, it's great to see the, the progression uh, that Nadine has been able to has been able to rise up to, um, but also as well, it's just to see you know how. The, the skills that she's learned in her work life as a logistics, uh, working in logistics has been able to translate into a career working as a marshal and, and vice versa. There's different skills, um, which were great. And, you know, it's one of the things, there's a couple of things that she said, the three core things that essentials is, you know, one of them was to try new things, uh, to not forget where you came from. So don't forget where you started um because then you can be almost complacent um and yes just remember those core those core values those core roots one thing i have to talk up as well is um it's it's similar to what um one of our past guests Callum nicholas was saying in terms of you know getting involved in motorsport that there's so many different forms of motorsport out there there's like karting there's rallying there's um hill sprints or whatever but each of these different sort of activities there'll always be uh opportunities for marshalling so it's sometimes sometimes people almost think for motorsport formula wants to be all end all but there's so many different like pathways to get involved in this industry and you just have to go out there go to your local racetracks go to your local um networking events within motorsport and you never know what jobs or, or career paths or opportunities uh will come from just volunteering your time and uh, being a track marshal. It's all about just trying new things, you know. Don't, don't, don't put the blinkers on and just say, oh, no, I'm not going to go and do that because, you know, I wanted to go and do X. You know, say, try a variety, try rallying, try race cars, you know. Don't be put off by certain things because you may end up actually enjoying it. 
so yeah, don't be don't be put off on, on different things and you know, look where it could lead you. It could lead you up to, you know, working in Marshall at, at Formula One and getting on the podium and presenting a trophy um, to uh, one of the racing drivers. So yeah. And yeah, just just like I said, I think the main the main thing or the main takeaway was just like, yeah, put yourself out there. You know, it's an open, it's an open world, Marshalling, you know. The, the barrier there's barely any barriers to entry anyone can join and anyone can tell participate so why would you not want to never a shortage of volunteers so yeah and it's also to hear talk about you know how you know it's it's great to see that there are more women uh coming into doing marshalling and it's you know the landscape has changed from when nadine first started which is always great to see and then hopefully you know that whole thing around edi continues um, what else did you find that was quite quite good about this podcast? No, it's, it's exactly what just we've been uh, talking about. It's just those factors. Put yourself out there, and it's just as well with Nadine was just saying um, in regards to yeah, putting yourself out there, getting those opportunities, and just changing like the the mindsets because I think there's a lot of people that just have this idea of motorsport. All it's about is the car and the mm. driver. But they don't see the the people who you have to put in place, like the marshals, to keep these sorts of events safe and keep things in check. Because at the end of the day, without key people involved in motor racing, such as your marshals, race day events won't, won't go ahead. They're almost like the, um, not unknown, but they're not known about heroes of the events because, you know, you've got, say, like injuries and whatnot. You need the people to, like, wave the flags and, Make sure that the drivers are okay. The set all the safety aspects are covered from your motorsport and your racing events, and the fact that they do it all volunteering and doing it for free. All these are uh, great and epic races from the past, whether it's only probably the ones your British touring cars or any of these uh, motorsport events. They they would not be possible without um, these individuals giving up their time to make sure safety is in check. No, they are they are the key ingredient. You know, it's all well you have got the. The drivers and you've got the racing cars and you've got the teams but without people giving up their time to marshal uh and volunteer you know motorsports in this country can't go ahead so these people are are even more pivotal than you know people like the drivers because you know you can have so many drivers but there's no one there to marshal um then yeah like i said the the the, the, the epic sport doesn't go ahead so it's been though, it's a great episode to have uh, Nadine on here. And uh, yeah, make sure to go and, you know, follow her on uh, on her social media. She plugged it in this episode and uh, keep up to date with all the great stuff that's happening. But if you like this episode, make sure to uh, like, comment and subscribe. The Blair Project is on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube at The Blair Project. And we are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Get Me Motoring. That's all we've got time for for today. Join us on another exciting episode. And for now, take care. Peace. If you've liked today's episode, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. The Blair Project is all is on all major social media platforms, including Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube at 
The Blair Project. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and, and TikTok. Yes, we are on TikTok at Get Me Motoring. If you'd like to follow myself individually, I am on Instagram at Niall Henry and also LinkedIn uh, at Niall Henry as well. And if you want to follow myself, I'm on Instagram as Blair Henry underscore 97 and also on um, LinkedIn as just Blair Henry. So we look forward to having you on the next episode. So stay tuned. Take care. Until next time. <laughs>